Do you want an intro? No, we can go. I can do a intro. All right. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode <laughs> of Space Time Talko. That's your host, Chris. We are both hosts. We are both hosts, Chris and Nate, combined as a single being. Here to talk about nerd shit, like we do every other Sunday. Yep. Uh, and I had originally shifted the Sundays because of Kim and I's uh, engagement anniversary. Uh, and in shifting it, made it work out for all the movies just about, except for the fact that it then shifted it onto the Sunday before Kim and I's wedding anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> so we are actually going to attempt to try and be a pretty quick... <laughs> episode um maybe i don't know don't we always attempt this isn't this yeah i'm trying i'm trying okay it's a pretty need to like when you come up with a system eventually and just like oh yeah like roll an rng have a real uh, real plan instead of just throwing everything on here and hoping we get through it fast um, I literally make my notes five minutes before we go live. Yeah, so. Same here. It's horrible. Um, that that is my plan. I want to eventually add some more structure to these. Um, I why while I enjoy a podcast that just it sees the track the trail, uh, but there's like all shiny objects in other directions. I love that kind of shit. Um, I don't know about other people completely. Uh, it's yeah. good for. I feel like it's good for people with ADD, ADHD. Um, Probably. And focus issues. So, you know, whatever. Cool. Um, there's one thing on here that I'm really surprised by. Bye. Bye. I'm about to underline it. Bye. I didn't realize you had read that. Um, I am in the process of reading it. I know a lot about it already, okay. but okay. All right. from what bit. I've heard, it's just one of the better better DC storylines. Okay. Um, I will tell you now. No, we'll get, no, I won't tell you now. I'll tell you when we get to it. <laughs> Why well, I, I talk about it when it has nothing to do with it. Um, yeah, okay, cool. Hey, what's up? How you doing? What, what, what you been playing, Nate? I feel weird not looking at your face. It's been such a long well, time. Let's, let's start with what I've been playing since it's the shortest thing on the list. Um, what did I say? Did I, went, I not say playing? I thought I said playing. You did say playing. Okay. Um, I went back through sort of my backlog of games that have just been sitting around from Games with Gold and Game Pass and stuff like that. Um. And I found Bulletstorm on there, which was a game that I was always interested in playing, but I remember the first time I played it, I couldn't find out why I couldn't pick up any of the enemy's weapons for the longest time. Because <laughs> in most shooters I played at that time that the game came out, it's like, alright, you kill an enemy, you can pick up their gun and use it. Um, and it turns out that it's just got a completely different system that I was just unaware of until I sat down and decided to play it again. Um, Bulletstorm holds up as a decent shooter on its own. It's got a goofy, edgy storyline like other shooters of its time. I forgot who actually makes it, but I think some of the people who worked on Gears of War worked on this uh, as well. Yeah, it feels like, it felt like a weird merging visually in, from what I remember. I never played it. I watched, I think I may have watched Dave play it at one point, and I remember oh, yeah. my friend um, James being a big fan. Well, but I remember it being what... very, like, Gears of War style mm -hmm. fighting with a closer color palette to um, Borderlands, like a much more brighter palette. Yeah, well, there's a reason why it's related to Gears of War now that I'm looking. Um, Cliffy B designed it, so... Yeah, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> so, yes, it is very Gears of War style in its aesthetics, and there's certain homages to Gears of War you can find in there. The sprinting in the game, even though it's first-person, controls very much like the road you run in Gears of War. <laughs> um, and... 
sort of the main assault rifle you start with is like the Lancer was basically influenced by this design <laughs> for Gears of War. <laughs> um, but no, it's a fun game. Um, it's the gameplay itself is based on stringing together a lot of quick kills and combos. So in that, of course, you have your arsenal weapons, which are all unique from one another, and then each weapon has an alternate firing mode as well. Um, you have a lot of environmental stuff to play around with. You can toss enemies off ledges, kick them into spikes and electricity and stuff like that. You get a thing called the leash, which lets you pull them to you. Mm -hmm. um, Is this the game that you also got points for, like, style? Yeah. Okay. That's what it it's basically take like the Gears of War or not Gears of War, take the Devil May Cry style system and just mix it with an FPS. Yeah, okay. Um, you're just trying to rack up points to encounters because those points are your currency in game to buy more ammo, to upgrade capacity for your weapons, to upgrade those weapons themselves. Um, so all of that goes, all your points go towards buying things at certain very frequent buy stations you encounter throughout each level. Um, the story in it is very basic. It's uh, it's a story where your character used to be like an assassin for this massive intergalactic government. They were basically screwed over by that government because they were more or less just hired to kill innocent people. <laughs> um, and then they go rogue. And then of course they encounter this general who screwed them over earlier and cause all kinds of crazy bullshit to happen. Um, underneath that is sort of a B plot about this friendship between the two main characters and how that's being strained because of your character's inability to just deal with anything like an adult more or less. <laughs> um, so it's a game that can be funny at times. The humor is a little outdated and can be kind of cringe at yeah. other times. Um, but all around, I mean, it's a solid shooter and it still holds up and I just had, I wanted to play something where I basically got to run around and shoot a bunch of people. So, <laughs> Um, Bullet Storm was in it for me. Um, other than that, everyone knows I've been playing Rust and Forza mostly. I did get my PS2 set up for streaming. Yeah. Um, depending on what happens this week with work, I may throw up a couple streams from the PS2. Um, so, anyone who's listening will just have to look out for announcements for that on Twitter and elsewhere. Yeah, I've been still getting my my classic gaming things running up, up, up and running, running up, running up. I don't know, um, but I actually I uh, I haven't been playing too much. Um, put a good chunk of time into uh, Pokemon's Arceus. Um, <laughs> and man, I I love that. It's such a fun game. Um, I haven't gone, I'm nowhere near to the point where I'm trying to do any kind of shiny hunting or anything like that. I don't even know how far mm. into the game I am. I know I have, I'm ranked five stars out of ten for the uh, the Team Galaxy thing, Galaxy Research Team or whatever the fuck the storyline is. I'm definitely paying attention. Because um, you know me, I'm the one that cares the most about stories in games. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I did actually... Uh, take some time and check out the demo for the new Kirby game. Um, and god mm. damn, it is so fun. It it really is, I, I think it really is just what I want, just more Kirby, but with that more open um, mm -hmm. play style. It's, it's definitely not a full open world, which I, I yeah. didn't think it was going to be, but I like the idea of them moving closer to something like that for Kirby. Um, mm hmm it's, and it, I mean, it's Kirby. It's not going to be a hard game. Like, there, there's, like, the easy mode and the hard mode in the demo. 
and I'm like, mm-hmm. let's see what the easy mode is. I'm like, okay, standard Kirby. Then I played the hard mode. I'm like, standard Kirby. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> I'm very confused right now. <laughs> well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's sort of bringing that. Uh, they're they're doing what they did to Legend of Zelda and Mario with Kirby now, um, just taking their characters, sticking to that traditional gameplay, and but putting that gameplay in a larger sandbox where you just get to do more things now. Um, I remember back when Mario Odyssey came out, like when people discovered, you know, they could chain hat jumps together. Like that was just game over for speedrunners. So. The, the, <laughs> the stuff that they do in that game is, I love watching speedrunners in those games. Um, Cause it was like, not only you had the speedrunners, which was already amazing, but then they introduced that, that, weird luigi balloon hiding mm-hmm. game um yeah. and people used the speed running techniques and like glitch techniques to make it almost impossible for certain things uh, mm-hmm. but then seeing the people that were on that same level go at each other was incredible obviously if a normal person ended up getting stuck with one of those levels they were fucked but uh yeah. <laughs> otherwise you know eh, it's good um but no i uh yeah, I, I'm super excited. Uh, I probably won't pick it up right away. Um, right now, the game that's on my mind the most is Tunic, which comes out on Wednesday, but I don't even know if I'll pick that up right then. Because um, mm-hmm. that's basically Legend of Zelda as a little little fox. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I don't know. I, I haven't really gotten a chance to play much. I've been watching a lot and reading a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I need to double-check our podcast notes from what I've watched recently and what i've just started so i don't know mm. um past podcast notes not this i know what this podcast notes has i'm literally mm-hmm. looking at it right now uh, <laughs> but yeah uh what have you been watching i see because obviously playing is always shorter for us we started as yeah. a primarily video game podcast by the way <laughs> what do you what have you been read slash watch well in the read list i'll start off with the shortest thing um the Nashi released Chapter 101 of Don't Believe Me Nagatoro um, this past week. Um, I had mentioned last time we did the podcast, Chapter 100 was a little disappointing because it was just a complete cutoff of a previous story that was already going on. <laughs> um, but Chapter 101 is still, still up there in quality, and they're continuing the storyline where basically the class is getting together, they're going on a school trip um and naoto the main character is the head of the art club now so he wants to go on this trip to see all this artsy stuff basically and meanwhile all the girls who are friends with nagatoro want to go see you know they want to go do different things different Mm -hmm. things that they find fun so eventually one of the classmates suggests that they split up um and i won't spoil it entirely but tensions grow basically (laughs) um and so it takes another character coming in to give Naoto a very solid revelation um, about like him trying to be a people pleaser all the time and him not realizing other people's feelings when it comes to him. <laughs> um, but it also gives him room to grow as a person because he's far more assertive in this chapter than he's ever been. So it's just an all-around good chapter, and anyone who's a fan who hasn't read it yet, just go ahead and... Get it out of the way. It's a short chapter. It's not very long. Um, 
and you get to see some actual character development happen, which is now a frankly long-running manga where things have gone back and forth consistently. I feel like Tanashi is focusing on character consistency and growth more now. <laughs> um, but uh, just moving down the list before we get into some of the juicier stuff for the podcast, um, I've started getting into Dark Knight's Metal. I've had most of it spoiled for me. This is like a two-year-old comic run now. So, okay, that was what I was going to ask. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are you reading Dark Knight Metal or Dark Knight's Heavy Metal? Dark Knight's Metal. Okay. Like Batman Who Laughs and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because mm-hmm. the reason is this, Dark Knight's Metal, is, I think, mm-hmm. five years old at this point. Maybe longer. Oh, okay. I think about five years. Um, Dark Knight's, that that is what sets up like the universe and things in the universe that end up leading to Heavy Metal, which, in my opinion... Mm-hmm. Heavy metal is incredible when mm-hmm. even in comparison to metal, which metal was fun, it was fine. I didn't connect to it as much as some people seem to. Heavy metal, mm-hmm. holy shit. I have every individual, I have individual issue of, I think, both metal and heavy metal. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, go ahead, continue. I'm sorry. Well, I got into metal because I am a Batman fan, and one thing I like the most when I'm reading comic books is to see variations on characters. And so Dark Knight's Metal, of course, starts out with mostly Batman variants. Um, And so, I mean, the whole premise is you have this dark multiverse that is underneath the main multiverse of DC. And due to some connections that Batman has to this certain figure, the dark multiverse is starting to surface and invade the main DC multiverse. Um, And in that multiverse, there are several origin stories from different worlds of many different Batman who basically have become have become evil at least not maybe not in their own minds but they have certain circumstances led them to solve problems in a way that you wouldn't expect from your typical batman Mm -hmm. um and so all of these are basically at odds these are stories that have been bought up before like what if batman and superman really got into you know, a big fight and one of them had to end the other one. Yeah. Like, those kinds of questions are answered. What if the Batman and Joker combine? Like, that's the entire Batman who laughs one shot right there. And it's, he's um, awesome. Yes. Um, you know, what if Batman had the powers of Aquaman or the Flash? Like, those are in there. <laughs> so... The Flash Batman might be my favorite of the group. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah he's called uh, the Red Death. <laughs> And uh, small spoiler here, he is so powerful that he literally just punches Scarecrow in half. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but these are all things that are explored throughout this series. And then, of course, you get the mainline story of the dark multiverse is finally invading the main multiverse and how our mainline DC Justice League fights back against that. Um, it's It's a dark story in its own right. There's a lot of death going on, a lot of tragedy in the stories very little triumph without a whole lot of struggle. Um, And so it is a deeper and darker tale than what we expect to see from, like, just vanilla New 52, for example. Um, But it's an interesting story, and so right, it's an interesting take, and I love those combinations of characters. That's why I'm a big fan of things like Amalgam Comics, because you just get crazy smash-ups of characters that weren't supposed to exist in the first place. (laughs) So you actually Um, bring that up, I wanted to Okay. I was trying to remember when it occurred. Man, fucking 2017 to 2018. Um, 
that's so long ago now. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, I couldn't remember if this was still during the New 52 or if it was during the Rebirth, because, you know, fucking continu uh, continuity in DC. Ridiculous. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that plays also that also plays into uh, why I like heavy metal more. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's cool. You said how far about how far in are you? Um, I'm about up to the point where I I'm nearing the end where Batman is exposed to the last metal. The um, nth, the nth metal. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the crux of how Barbados, this other entity from the dark um, dark multiverse starts to invade it. Basically, Batman is more or less a portal into the main <laughs> multiverse for Barbados. It's it's um, funny because it really does kind of because people joke about the fact that everybody seems to re revolve around um, Spider-Man mm -hmm. or Peter Parker in the Marvel Universe to a certain extent yeah. to the point where he is such an important character in, in that like the Spider-Verse and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm where DC finally kind of was a, you know, Batman is that for us, but let's do it more fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I think at the, at the crux of it is a deeper tale about how every, every version of Batman is doomed to self-sabotage in some way. Yeah. I mean, the entire reason that Batman is even exposed to these metals in the first place are almost entirely his own fault. And, when he's finally exposed to that last metal is because he basically tells the Justice League to fuck off and just runs away from them. Yep. Um, and through that action, without because he's not accepting the help of his friends, he ends up getting exposed. <laughs> so, you know, it's it shows that every Batman is basically off the rails and he relies far too much on his own instincts instead of help from other people who have just as much experience as he does. <laughs> He just thinks he's the smartest guy in the room all the time. So weird, not weird, but uh, kind of breaking. Not even an hour ago, from what I'm seeing, um, it's been reported that William Hurt passed away. Mm. Uh, William Hurt, for nerd people mostly right now, um, is the man who played uh, General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. Uh, starting in Incredible Hulk and then came back in the later, better MCU movies. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was just announced. That's really sad. Uh, IMDb already has a story up. Yeah. that's That may or may not be where I just saw that. Um, mm -hmm. That sucks. Uh, it does. Nothing had been reported <laughs> on what, what the cause of death was. Um, it's saying that it was peace, his, he died peacefully among family of natural causes. Um, and it was saying that he had recently, quote unquote, recently or uh, reportedly going undergone treatment for prostate cancer back in 2018. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, I've seen him in fucking so many goddamn movies. Yeah, well, it looks like the last film anyone might see him in will be The King's Daughter, which comes out next year. Yeah. Um, there are other things that he was in that are pre-production. Pantheon is still filming. Plus, um, anything he was still attached to, Marvel-wise. Yeah. I mean, Thunderbolt Ross was never a major player in the new Marvel Cinematic Universe, but he was there to fill out parts of the story where the U.S. military would get involved in certain things. And, you know, we all had the hope that we'd eventually get Red Hulk. Mm -hmm. uh, especially now with 
even getting um, what uh, She-Hulk coming out soon. Uh, yeah. I don't know if he had, he had filmed for that or anything like that, but hey, we'll, we might find out. Um, but yeah, I know, super random, out of nowhere, sad note, sorry. Um, mm. let, let's get back to other things. <laughs> um, I lost the notes, or his notes, there's notes. Yes, yeah, so Dark Knight Metal, good. Enjoy, read the, immediately read the follow-up then. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I actually did mean, when you are reading it, are you reading just the base six? Or are you reading um, something that is including all the side stories and connective tie-in stuff? Well, I'm starting with the base six now. After that, I plan on going back and reading. There's a collection of the origin stories for all the evil Batman. Yeah, those are great. So I will read those. Um, and then I'll probably get to the side contact, content and connections both before and after this main storyline. Because the issue with reading comics for me is I can't, I just can't bring myself to collect them as single issues because when I go into a comic store and I look at single issues, everything's disjointed in my head because I'm used to collecting manga and manga is released in volumes. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> it's like I pick up a single issue and I have no idea where I am in the story at that point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are, there are some really good jumping on points. Um, a lot of, like for instance, Spider-Man. Spider-Man is currently in a run. Um, they have what they're calling legacy numbers, and I think DC does the same thing now, um, where under the current runs numbering system, it has the the full run number. Because um, I have, I think Bat or Spider-Man, the current Amazing Spider-Man is up to, I think we're almost, I think we're in nineties, um, and I believe it ends. Not a hundred percent sure. I believe it's time to end at issue a hundred, and then a new team is coming in and having starting over with a number one. Um, I am currently still on the fence on whether or not I'm gonna then start collecting that as well, because um, fuck, I have over it's at least over a hundred issues at this point with the the um, in between issues and uh, the annual 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 issues. Um, Comics, comics. I understand. It's really hard. Manga, easy. Uh, you get, you start on number one and you go forward. Manga or uh, at, comics. You can start on number one, but it also could be a number one of a different series that doesn't have anything to do with the main series, um, or it could be a random number one that then in five weeks or five months they decide we're not going to continue this number system and return to the original number system. Fuck you, DC. That made literally no sense. Um, <laughs> And it really, it's the easiest way to, I keep wanting to put my hands in pockets that aren't in this hoodie, in this sweater. Um, <laughs> the easiest way to hop into comics is to just do it. Um, the second easiest, in my opinion, is to hop in at the beginning of a new person's run. Like, um, mm -hmm. for instance, when uh, Scott Snyder, Scott Snyder? Nope. Wait. My mind is blanking on things right now. <laughs> Whoever the... Oh, is it... Hold on. Now I gotta... Zack Snyder is the... The... The, who the movie I, director? Yeah. Who am I thinking of? Scott Okay, Snyder no. Scott, Scott Snyder is is Batman. Um, yeah. I think he might be done. I don't know if he's still doing it. All I know is that basically, like, hey, one person's leaving, another person's taking over. That, in my opinion, is a great time to go in because you are getting, while yes, you are getting a Spider-Man that has existed for years, a Batman that has existed for years, uh, whoever, 
you are also getting this person's interpretation of that character. Um, and they get to do what they want with that character for the most part. Every once in a while, they have a little bit more restriction, but a lot of it is like the Batman that people love right now. That is because mm -hmm. of Scott Snyder. That is because of Tom King. Um, it's It really is, I think, just up to... I, I feel like it's... It, it, it seems daunting. That number, that large number, like I said, the legacy numbers, is daunting. Over a thousand fucking Batman or Superman comics. Um, you don't need to read from the beginning of Superman, because guess what? Back in the day, and this is where I get shit when it, for my opinions on comics, old comics fucking suck. Um, <laughs> the Sure, some of the stories can be really good, but I am somebody that has an issue with the art of an mm -hmm. old there are some older series that just visually to me do not draw me in and because of that the the writing doesn't as well and you we, i know we've talked about this with manga you don't like manga that gets heavy on the the um the text um and there are some mm -hmm. there are some old comics that you it's like there's literally a novel built within this co comic issue and i'm like i don't no mm, no I'm more of a visual storyteller. Um, well, that's what I mean. Comics are a way of combining visual and written mediums, right? But at the end of the day, if you know you've got a page of seven panels and five of them are filled with text bubbles, then you're not really making a comic at that point. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, you're just not. <laughs> like, uh -huh. if it, I've seen a whole, I've literally picked up comics off the shelves just when I'm in like Barnes and Noble or a comic shop, just farting around, and then I open to a page and it's literally just like seven panels of text on one page. Yep. <laughs> Damn, is he still writing Batman stuff? It looks like he might still be writing Batman. That's crazy. Man needs to stop. I mean, take some time I've off. I've always been a fan of Frank Miller's art style in particular, and that's one thing that that also drives me away from American comics sometimes is when you read a manga, you know, it's usually one artist or a couple artists working yeah. on everything. And so the art style stays consistent throughout when you're reading American comics, you can have multiple artists, even in the same run. Yeah. That, that was, um, to me kind of disappointing with Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man. I signed up for it, um, initially because I wanted to, um, it was, my mind is blanking on the artist's name right now, but it was the artist from Invincible. Image Comics, by the way, in Dark Horse, other other series usually, usually have a consistent artist, um, mm -hmm. uh, which is why I like, like one of my favorite series, Chu, is the same writer and the same artist throughout the entire series. Um, the artist for that went on to write his own series. Same art style, obviously, because he's the artist. But him writing it, and I'm like, hey, you are doing both. One, I'm okay with it taking longer. And two, I like the consistency. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, man, now I just want to... I've been... I spend way too much money on comics. Because I am a single-issue person. Not all the time. Because mm -hmm. um, I have... I've shown on camera before my boxes of comics. And then all underneath on the shelves currently are all my... Uh, paperback and hardcover uh comic collections um mm -hmm. it's uh, I, w I wish it was easier my my favorite thing to to, to uh suggest to people are the single storyline things like technically the metal series um mm -hmm. but more like uh 
I don't want to say Killing Joke because I fucking hate Killing Joke. Um, <laughs> American Alien. Oh. Personally, one of my favorite, the, really my favorite Superman. I'm not a big Superman fan besides Smallville um, mm. in the animated show. Uh, my favorite Superman story is American Alien. Um, if you can rent okay. it, rent it. If you want to borrow my copy, borrow my copy. I will not tell you to buy a copy of that book because I don't want you mm. to support the creator of that book anymore. Uh which is really upsetting, but whatever. Um, <laughs> it's a great story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I mean, when I started getting back into DC Comics at all, it started with things like, what did I pick up first? I think I picked up Court of Owls first. Ooh. So, like, that was one I read, like, a very modern run of Batgirl. I will tell everybody to read Court of Owls. I will tell everybody to read. I haven't read it. Um, I think you, when you're talking Batgirl, you're talking about Batgirl with Burnside, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Batgirl with Burnside was just great. Nate, mm -hmm. I think you read that, like, that was the beginning of us doing this podcast. <laughs> I believe so, yes. Um, <laughs> it was a very long time ago I read Batgirl with Burnside. <laughs> and I think the movie that's come, the Batgirl movie that's coming out is supposed to be pulling from that. Oh, I certainly hope so. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so many standalone stories that are great on both sides um sort like uh, kim kim is not a big comic fan but she read and really enjoyed uh the vision series the um the tom mm -hmm. king vision series and i i keep trying to get her to try because uh, he did a miracle man no not miracle man is it miracle man it might be a miracle man series um as well as a whole bunch of other shit uh but yeah just do it jump in fuck it you don't need to know everything guess what the comics don't even know anything i'm gonna slight slight spoiler thing when it comes to dc comics in general um dc comics has tried retconning and changing and moving things around that's new 52 huge retcon uh dc rebirth slightly smaller retcon um but still a huge retcon to an extent uh DC hit a point in their stories that they literally just said, you know what? Everything is canon. Everything has everything that has ever happened in the comics has and has not has has and has not happened to these characters. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, fuck it, why not? There's still a multiverse. There are still universes where individual characters have an ind different experience, but like in general for your main Batman that has existed since the, I don't remember. He's fucking old. Um, it is that same Batman that has experienced all these things these entire time. Um, yeah. Which I think is a really fun and fucked up way of looking at it. And I'm all for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last thing I want to, cause I'm going to go over reading things. Two things. One, Nate, I finished demon slayer. Nice. Holy shit. I really enjoyed it, besides the, like, ep there's a weird epilogue chapter that I'm like, fuck that, that's stupid, I'm not counting. Um, mm. But the re the rest of the series, I'm really excited to see other people get to see this, and I am excited to see these things happen visually, because holy shit, some of these fights are going to be amazing. Um, mm -hmm. So I decided to move on, and I think you even commented and liked it, uh, on to uh, Fire Force. Um, and I have to yeah. tell you, I dropped Fire Force. <laughs> um, yeah. It kind of got to a point where while I, I enjoy it, I think visually 
it's weird. Demon Slayer works visually for its fights still in the manga. Um, mm-hmm. Fire Force, the lack of that animation just makes the fighting in the combat just in general, or action in general, not as entertaining or, or engrossing. Um, mm-hmm. And that makes you realize how not uh, attached I am to that story. Um, yeah. Like, I like some of the characters. There are things about it that I enjoy, but overall I'm like, this isn't enough to keep my interest to read the rest of, because I was maybe halfway through. Um, so I might I might watch the anime. I might keep going back to the anime after some time or wait until it's fully over. Um, mm-hmm. But in general, I'm just kind of eh on it. Um, well, it, the thing about Fire Force is the plot just goes down a rabbit hole it never comes back out of. <laughs> and... Have, have you read that or no i've just watched okay. it but it gets to the point where you're like so far into this like conspiratorial stuff that's going on in the story and it seems like it just loses focus because it's just jumping from plot to plot where mm-hmm. it's always somebody else another layer down this rabbit hole that they have to go find where does um, um the second season is it the second season maybe or wherever the most recent mm-hmm. season where does that end no, I'm not entirely sure because I haven't watched all of it yet. Okay, you haven't caught up either? Okay. Because no, I know they just... went to China. Yeah. Um, a lot of the fights in it, in the recent seasons, season one had like amazing fight scenes in it and everything was great there. And then as they sort of taper off to these later episodes, the fights just get lackluster over time. Yeah. And it's like they're sort of losing their momentum when it comes to just really focusing on animating and directing these fights well, which sucks because they do it very good in the fucking OPs. Both OPs are amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just... Uh, and I had a friend, my friend asked me, he told me to... Uh, he said I might have an issue with it and end up losing interest at one point because it kind of gets... I think he described it as preachy. Um mm-hmm. And I could see that that would eventually come out and start going in that direction. Um, but I think I, I got out before we got there. Uh, I don't know. I Again. Well, then this crazy cool. news came out that um, Fire Force is supposed to be a sequel to Soul Eater. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to be a direct and... sequel, but it doesn't really have as much connection as people want it to for them to well, say it's a direct sequel. The thing is, it doesn't have any connection as direct sequel it's not even about the amount of connection it's the fact that the stories are just the worlds that the two things exist in are so aesthetically different from one another it's like you know you'd have to contrive an entire plot to connect the two (laughs) together yeah (laughs) so it's i mean you're talking about two worlds with two completely different sets of fantasy in them like two two worlds with two different completely different sets of rules yeah so it just doesn't make any sense to anybody that they'd be connected and i think it would be better off if they didn't try to connect them in the first place <laughs> let them be standalone things <laughs> but that's just my take i mean who knows it, we'll see what the creators plan on doing with it in the future hopefully it gets better than it is now because it is just it's causing a lot of people just to back out of the show and it's just no longer enjoyable my hope when it comes to um, the Soul Leader, sorry, I, can, I never remember the name of that show for some reason. I I want them to uh, remake it. I wanted I wanted to get the um, Full Malcolm's Brotherhood treatment. 
because uh, I know people love that show, but every I'm pretty sure everyone agrees that the ending sucks um, yeah. because it doesn't really end. Um, no. And that is because I believe it was the same issue as, um, to a certain extent, the same issue as uh, Full Metal, where they broke away from the manga and did their own thing for the ending. Yeah. Well, I also like the idea of just making future stories as sequels, too. Not like Baruto, for example, which is just whoa, whoa, Naruto whoa. 2.0. <laughs> I, it but, is, in my opinion, different enough to do its own thing, but that own thing is not something that I had any any interest in. And I got mm-hmm. to the part that something happened that made me cry, and then I'm like, oh, this is the only thing I needed from this. Goodbye. Um, yeah. now, what I want to see is characters who, you know characters who we got caught up with and saw grow in the original series i want to see them like as adults with their full set of abilities that's what i want to see and i know you see some of that in Boruto because naruto gets involved in fights consistently but it's like he basically gets involved in these fights because he's just so oh fucking p and can murk anybody now <laughs> so <laughs> it's like okay you know the main cast couldn't handle the fight so let's call naruto up it's like it's kind of like what GT did when it's like, okay, Gohan and Trunks can't complete a fight, so who are we going to call? Okay, Goku and Vegeta show up and just start wrecking shop. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking G- But no, GT is Goku's a kid again. Well, yeah. Also, well, it's not canon. It, it doesn't mean anything. That is, I know it's not I canon. love that they basically said, yeah, GT doesn't actually happen. It's just a weird thing where it's like, even as a kid, Goku is still just murking people left and right, so... <laughs> Hey man, once you once you decide to f- forget and just you know abandon your childhood, your your child, uh, and not be a dad, um, you can be the strongest person in the world, I guess. <laughs> Piccolo still gets best dad of the year award every year. Weirdly, yeah, like it's a it's There's close, a... it's close. For a while, it was it it was because um, Vegeta's not a bad dad. No, but Piccolo's but... definitely the better dad though. It's a. There was a funny little strip of comic artist you know where, where like Gohan is on stage and he's holding a best dad of the year award or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's like, I just want to take time to give this to the best dad ever. And Goku stands up and he goes, "Sit the fuck down." Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, I forget. It's not. It's not that Vegeta's almost the best dad. He is the best husband in the series. Because um, okay. that thing, the whole fucking Barris thing, where like. Oh, yeah. He's so nervous around him and now and making sure he's happy and all this. The moment he lays a finger on Bulma, he beats the sh- attempts to beat the shit out of him. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, like. But you don't uh, watch that. Fucking do literally anything to protect Bulma. <laughs> like... <laughs> it's such a weird thing, and I love that that was a thing that just happens in the series. Yes. Well, it's like. It's definitely Bulma is, like, independent Bulma who don't need no man, but she's got this angry little goblin now who can just beat anybody up angry on sight. So. <laughs> uh, I keep forgetting there's a movie coming out, and I'm excited for it, even though they made fucking Krillin a cop. Oh, jeez. Did you not know that? Yeah, they made Krillin a cop. Like, Mako? Mako becoming a cop? Makes sense. Mako's a piece of shit. Um, in, uh, I'm, I know I'm just bringing in other series with... Uh, fuck Korra um, but Krillin really Krillin come on come on mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know how I feel I guess I'll have to see how it actually plays out in the story but cause you know 
Uh, I think as we're all aware, fictional cops are better than real ones. So. It's true. <laughs> like, I will never decry, you know, any of the characters from Ghost in the Shell for doing their job and doing it well. Yeah, but, but <laughs> isn't that also super corrupt? <laughs> I mean, yes, it's corrupt on a higher level, and that's why Sector 9, like, completely breaks from the central government of Japan and does their own thing. Yeah. They basically become a rogue organization. I mean, the same thing happens in uh, Full Metal Panic. The Tuatha Da Danann has no formal government to begin with. They're basically a mercenary group. And then they're like, all right, fuck everything that all these governments want us to do. We actually have a world-threatening problem to solve now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Last last manga thing I was going to bring up. Um, I'm not going to spoiler spoil, spoil, spoil anything. Um, the most recent one piece uh chapter came out mm-hmm. and it is a very confirming chapter that's all i will say um it happens in like as somebody it's so funny to me too we've talked about this before the fact that i went from having no interest whatsoever in one piece because of the anime to it is one of my favorite things to to. It's one of my favorite things to look forward to weekly. Is that new issue, that new new chapter, um, mm-hmm. uh, and because of reading everything so fast, it's still fresh in my head. So when, when things happen, I'm like, "Fuck!" They've been talking about this since such and such, and uh, yeah, it is a very big thing that is kind of left as a cliffhanger um, in this chapter, and uh, I am excited to see the manga community react to it because I haven't really look in, like, looked into it too much. Um, and also the anime community when they eventually get to it. Uh, sadly, all of the, I think it's all Toei animation is currently on hold. Um, I believe there was, I, my mind is blanking on exactly what happened. I believe they were hacked. Um, yeah, Hack of Japan's Toei delays several anime series including One Piece. Um, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Plans on notifying fans about the new broadcast schedule on March 20th. That is, yeah, that is horrible. Um, who the fuck does that? Like, well, come on. Uh, oh, it was... Okay, so... Possible the anime studio is trying to recover from a ransomware attack. Ugh. Hmm. Those are the most annoying attacks. Yep. <clears throat> That's when you, you know, download the wrong thing on LimeWire, and then you get the FBI screen on Windows. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's sadly, anime, sidewise, things have been delayed. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I am uh, really into it, and one more. I, I, it is the one downside, and I've talked to the, talk to people that I know personally that are One Piece fans that purposely have not read the most recent arc because they're like, we want to, I want to wait until it's done so I can have it all to read. I, I understand. I fully get it. Um, but I also don't, I, I want to wait, but I also don't want to wait because I don't trust people. You know how the wor- the internet works now. Fucking Batman came out and everybody spoiled at the moment. Like as they're leaving the theater, they're making tweets about what happened. So I, well, what it's funny because we went to Cinemark to see it. And whenever they did this with Spider-Man, and now they're doing it with the Batman as well, outside of each theater where they're actually showing that film, they'll mm-hmm. put a little piece of paper on the door that tells people not to spoil the movie. 
That's always nice. I like that. I like the idea of people doing that. Um, but you know, you can't trust people. But we just come out and we make jokes like Snape kills Dumbledore. <laughs> <gasps> How dare! Did he? Did he really? Um, and Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. <gasps> and could you imagine if somebody hadn't watched that movie yet? <laughs> uh, speaking of which, um, you know what? No, that's a lie. Uh, we're going to talk about one more th thing. You know what? Let's... Yeah, we're going to talk about the two other what we're watching slash excited to watch, because one of them's a trailer. <laughs> I moved the words around. Um, let, me, <laughs> let me just fix that again. All right. Um, but yeah, we'll go through these two last things and then hit the news before entering spoiler zone for for uh, The Batman. Um mm. So I'll talk about, I don't know if you've watched it yet, uh, but the most recent Pixar movie came out to Disney+. Plus. I don't know if it's theaters. I don't fucking know how Disney does shit anymore. They seem to not mm -hmm. want to put any movies from Pixar in theaters anymore. Um, Turning Red came out on Pixar, or on Pixar, on Pixar+, Plus, uh, Disney+. Plus. I didn't watch it, but I did see the trailer for it. It is so fucking cute and good. Um <laughs> I've seen a lot of people talk about the fact that it is not the normal Pixar movie, and I also agree, but for good, in good reasons. Like, I felt like this is, we're moving away from the Pixar that we know, and we're finally seeing what people have done, are, are trying to do differently. Um, oddly enough, this is one of the last two Pixar movies that were greenlit by John Lasseter before he was let go. Um but you can see that I've seen a lot of people talk about it, talking about the fact that you can see where he no longer, this is no longer his Pixar. It is the new, the new crew kind of thing, the new people in charge and what they want to do and how they're trying to move forward with it. Um, mm -hmm. It is absolutely adorable. Um, it, it stars a uh, 13 year old Asian girl. Um, who it, it takes place in 2002 Nate mm -hmm. everything everything was done so well <laughs> it felt like watching it I'm like this all makes sense to me um mm -hmm. as a as a person that was a 13 year old not a girl um but you know <laughs> 13 year old in 2002 everything made sense I'm like this all of this this is exactly how friends were oh friend burned a cd for the other friend of, of exactly um i played life is strange and you played as a 13 year old girl the entire time so there you go you're good you're used to it um and it's funny too because like there was i think there is a con there was a controversial um review that went up that was called racist and sexist and all this stuff uh and it was actually fully pulled and the person apologize and but in the review was saying something about the fact that this is a movie that seems like it was made specifically for the director the director's friends close friends and family this isn't something that can be um that can be felt or attached to anyone else kind of thing and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> this is a movie that speaks to literally it could be anybody it could be literal 13 year olds mm -hmm. that are going through these kind of things right now or it could be 
people like me and you and other people of our generation that this is what life in the world was like for us um because like part of it has to do with it is like oh it's a it's focused on a a chinese community in in um toronto in canada and i'm like okay so how is that i mean that's just where the setting is she's still a kid she has overbearing Mm -hmm. parents guess what that's not just exclusive to that kind of family anybody's family can have that i've known family i've known kids that have had and gone through exactly what happens in this movie besides you know being turned into a red panda um (laughs) (laughs) besides the the supernatural aspect of it this is it's yeah Pixar and Disney are not going to make a movie that's going to appeal to one specific culture. I mean, that's just not what they do. They have to make universally appealing movies because that's how they make their money. And I think a testament to that is how well this movie has been received by most of the critical community and how well it's, you know, pulled to streaming numbers on Disney Plus alone. Yeah. I mean, and it helps that it's been released on Disney Plus because the Batman was the big release of the weekend, so... You know, it's not being overshadowed by that in theaters. So <laughs> that is good. Yeah. Well, in that see, Batman, Batman picked a good time to release because like nothing really big happens until fucking May. Yep. That I can think of. Yeah, nothing. Everything else is TV. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend it. I mean, I there are very few Pixar movies that I won't tell people to immediately go watch. Um, mostly that's just Cars two and. Uh, the good dinosaur it's just not good it's okay it's cute but like the okay dinosaur it's just the okay dinosaur oh hey i haven't told you i have a new rating system i've created a personal rating system oh really yeah um you're gonna love hate it um hold on let me make sure i'm under my account and not the company's account um (laughs) my rating system is not showing, and I'm really confused why it's not showing. Hold on. Is one of the ratings Nate ass anime? <laughs> no, this is specifically for. Um, I don't know how to describe it. Why is that not showing? I'm very confused why that's not showing. Whatever, we'll deal with it later. Um, so it's five, one through five, nothing mm-hmm. in, obviously in between, um, and because I unlike Uber and Lyft appreciate all of the stars um or all of the point (laughs) systems four and five are not the only good ways of having a movie uh so obviously five being the best uh is incredible um Mm -hmm. i'm never i'm never gonna say perfect because perfect that's you know whatever uh four is great like that is a 100 percent. you should go see this kind of thing it's Mm -hmm. not the most incredible thing but it's pretty great um three is enjoyable that is the most like flippy floppy kind of thing because like mm-hmm. Hobbs versus Shaw is it a good movie no is it enjoyable yes um, so that well, is kind of like, like if it appeals to you personally then go see it I I look at it as like a, it's a fun movie it can be a fun mm-hmm. movie or musically if it's a musical or something I'm like, oh good music acting might not be the best but it's enjoyable for the content in some way um, two is meh mm-hmm. two is like I, I made the decision to make this I don't it, I don't regret it, but it wasn't like me. Eh. Um, one is technically a movie, mm-hmm. which technically I, a movie. I feel it's, like it's me and pictures on the screen. Me and you, me and you have talked about this before. Where there are sometimes we go to see a movie, we've seen things where like I mean, they did it. That was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so technically yes. a movie. Yep. 
they put pictures and audio in motion um Mm -hmm. to make a thing uh so yeah you know i'm excited all right well on that note we need to pause here (laughs) oh okay we'll be right back all right so it turns out due to some technical difficulties aka some unmuted muted uh channels um there's a good chunk of this that just did not get recorded um i'm a i'm a blame nate let's say nate it's nate's fault because he left okay i love you here's the rest of the podcast and it starts with spoilers so enjoy batman spoilers the batman that's right moving forward all spoilers all spoilers all the time i gotta make sure my wife's not over here no she's not over here so i can talk spoilers um probably at a lower volume and closer to the mic so i don't have to say anything too loud i don't want to spoil everything for her because i feel bad but I mean, hey, who has time for a three-hour movie when you don't really want to be in movie theaters? Cooper, what are you eating? Um, so I'll just rewind back and edit that out. Sorry about that. Uh, Nate, what did you think of this movie? <laughs> so going into it, I knew it was a three-hour movie. Um, I don't feel like the movie was paced well, especially at the beginning. I know they needed time to explain things and exposit and do setup and stuff like that because this is a whole new Batman we're being introduced to. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I don't feel like this movie needed to be three hours long in the first place. That being said, of what I did enjoy in the movie, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, One of the key things to get right in every Batman movie is creating a compelling villain. And I think they did that really well with this one. It's not the traditional villain we're used to in a Batman movie. It's not as campy or as high sort of high concept as those other villains have been but this is also not a very high concept story for batman to begin with this is more or less it's not a pure origin story like we're not watching a scene of you know bruce wayne's parents getting shot in the alley over and over again thankfully um but what we are watching is how a younger more raw less experienced Batman approaches his problems and how villains respond to him because of his approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we really learn about the motives for why Bruce does what he does. We learn the motives for why the villains in the series are doing what they do. And all in all, as fantastical as Batman can be, this is probably, I would honestly say it's the most grounded Batman film that has ever come out. <laughs> um, Which is funny because fucking, uh, What's his face like to pride himself on saying he made the most realistic trilogy of Batman movies? Yeah. Like, I mean, Christopher Nolan did make, at the time, yes, what Christopher Nolan had was the most realistic Batman movies out, but there was still that that touch of camp in it from the older Batman films. Um, and, you know, the super high tech stuff and all that stuff, basically turning Batman into a kind of James Bond style character. Mm hmm. Where in this one, I mean, everyone's seen from the trailers the way the new Batmobile looks, and it doesn't look anything like a Batmobile to most people. It looks like a car, and that's because he that's what it's it supposed himself. to be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's supposed to be. This so, wasn't him throwing money at his his uh, company to be like, hey, you should develop this really cool tank and paint one black. Um, yeah. No, this is a Batman who is very secretive, is very much keeping to himself, seems to take heart to the idea that he is Batman more than he is Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. And so we don't really see that dual role get played in this film that much. So 
you know, it's a much more somber, much more moody story, but that fits the overall atmosphere of everything else you see on screen. I mean, the the joke is in Gotham, it's always nighttime and it's always raining. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a very wet Gotham. It gets very wet in this Gotham. Um, oh, yeah. So for me, and I, so I did a video right after I saw the movie. Um, I went, I went in, no, no expectations. I looked at it. I looked, looking at him, because um, if you can see on the video, there's just, excuse me, you get the nice Battenson jawline um i think he looks great like before anything else i'm like he looks great as batman i'm that's mm -hmm. the only thing that i'm going into this movie in my mind with uh in the fact that zoe kravitz is amazing um i know it no no preconceived opinions notions of what this movie was going to be um mm -hmm. i bought my ticket for a 10:45 showing then found out that it was a three hour long movie um, but going in worrying that I wasn't going to be able to stay awake and alert and pay into it, I very opposite of you. It's funny. I, you were saying it and I'm like, Oh, weird. Um, I felt like it moved great. Um, it, for me, it was paced in a way that I was continuously in interested in, in, a, in just focus on what was happening. Um, mm -hmm. even the, the opening scene, cause I loved the Batman intro that's separate because there's the opening scene and then there's the actual Batman intro. Um, mm -hmm. But that opening scene where we see uh, somebody looking into this house with obviously they are well off people um, and the little kid playing around fighting like a little ninja um, in his Halloween costume. Uh, I really enjoyed that because I've seen a lot of people be like, oh man, I wasn't expecting that that switch we thought we were getting a different kind of of uh origin for his parents death or something like that and I'm like oh, i never thought of it like that i just like i just like the idea of that like hey here is another family this is about to happen to another family kind of thing um so it kind of set up that additional loss that you knew batman would eventually or bruce and batman would eventually have to connect to um but i fucking loved it um from beginning to end uh even the, the fact that there were little hints of comedy because i've seen a lot of people being like this is the least funny batman and i'm like no what are you talking about there were so many good jokes fucking thumb drive um god damn i would it's so like just little little one-liner things or just faces or just reactions um the first scene where he's going into detective mode basically with the mm -hmm. first murder case um you you just see his thought process but then you also see the the other like um forensics people be like yeah i definitely didn't miss this <laughs> <laughs> um but no he uh i in my opinion walking out of that movie i was uh, on after the high of the movie i was like this might be my favorite batman movie and he might be my new favorite batman um mm -hmm. in even this far after seeing it now, uh, opening night, I, I still agree. I, I definitely, he is now my favorite. I don't know who was your favorite or if it is still your favorite, who is your ba favorite Batman? Oh, that's hard for me to say. I mean, I actually excluding do like this. animated. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, I do like this one a lot. Um, Christian Bale's Batman was a little goofy to me. Uh, George Clooney's Batman was extremely goofy. 
Um, I, don't know, I think my favorite used to be Michael Keaton, but I'm going to have to say that this one is probably my favorite now. Exactly. Keaton yeah. has always been my favorite Batman, and this is the first time that I've ever been like, I still love Keaton, but Battinson is now my favorite. Um, yes. I mean, the thing is, is, is everyone went into their movie with this opinion about Robert Pattinson as soon as the casting was announced, right? Because they like to ignore that anything has ever happened in his career after Twilight. Well, And I know how much just... you love Twilight. <laughs> it's just so many people were fucking... You know, of course they hung up on the Twilight thing, but then they hung up on this. The overall theme here is that they try to typecast in their own head Robert Pattinson as just like the teenage heartthrob actor, mm-hmm. right? But I think that this movie goes a long way of showing that he has range and is a more serious actor at the end of the day. He just hasn't had really a movie with this kind of IP on it to show that to people. <laughs> um, and... I think he did a really good job with what he was given. Um, like I said, we're dealing also with a much younger, much more raw, less experienced Batman to begin with. So we get to see him make mistakes and get hurt and the fucking, give things away. The, the fucking uh, squirrel suit scene. Yeah. Where he just straight fucking eats shit. Yeah, I loved oh, it. Yeah. And I know some people, that was one thing that I've seen people be like, it was a little bit too much. Um mm-hmm. But I'm like, no, it, it was perfect. I loved it. Because it wasn't, he just, perfect. It, it was it wasn't a perfect thing. You could tell this was one of the first times he's used it. Uh, even just the little, like, when he activates it, and he's like, oh. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, you got to understand, if we go back to sort of source material that inspired this, right, is we're looking at very much like a Batman year one, basically. But they got away um, with it by saying it's year two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we do have a Batman who's, you know, established with a bat cave and his gadgets and things like that. But speaking on that, because we talked about the, the Batmobile um, mm-hmm. looking more like just a car. Um, I, I fucking loved it. Um, I loved the fact that this was just it was a car. It was a car that he had bought or had gotten in some means. Um, mm-hmm. probably bought because he's fucking rich. Um, but he then everything that was done to that car was him. It was him. You see him b- building. P- like you see what he has worked mm-hmm. on in that in that Batcave. It is a very him doing everything himself kind of Batman, and that is what I really liked about it. Um, on top of the fact that we obviously this is the first much more the detective. I like the mm-hmm. detective Batman. Um, yeah. Well, that brings a new, that sort of brings a new Batman onto the screen for people too, because all the previous Batman movies, I mean, straight up, they were about, they were about the action at mm-hmm. the end of the day. They were about seeing Batman fight bad guys, which can be cool and can be enjoyable and can be watchable, but you're missing a whole part of the Batman character there. I mean, we know as comic nerds, Batman didn't star in Batman issue number one. That wasn't his comic. He was in Detective Comics. That was his debut. <laughs> um, and he's been constantly hailed as the world's greatest detective. Um, he's basically DC Sherlock Holmes who walks around in a gimp suit. Like, that's... <laughs> that's what he does. <laughs> but, I mean, just the way that they integrate a newer Batman into a new new Gotham. Um, 
you know, what, the thing is, I, I remember watching the movie. My biggest question is like, where are the batterings? The batterings got to come out at some point. You can't do a Batman movie without batterings. Not only did he it, pull out a batarang, it was the yeah. one fucking in his chest. I yes. fucking love that shit. I love that because it's a new take on it. It's not just I have a utility belt and the writers can, you know, MacGuffin whatever they need inside my utility belt at any time. We see him use basically two gadgets the whole movie. And they're the two most iconic things that he has. He's got a grapple gun and he's got a batarang. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's that classic not sort even of smoke, thing, Not even smoke, ba- uh, smoke bombs. Because yeah. the one time you yeah. have, like, that smoke bomb moment is because somebody else, he, oh, he does have bombs, little mini bombs. Yeah. Um, but he used that to create that smoke screen. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, god damn it. I need to go see this movie again. I'm mad that it doesn't start streaming until April 19th. Well, yeah. If we're touching on the action scenes alone, I think they were well executed. Um, we see, we see a much more, almost sort of Batfleck kind of fighting style here. He's just kind of a little more brutal. Hits. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, I like it. It plays to the fact that Batman knows what he's doing in his situation. I mean, when he literally walks to a guy who's like full autoing into his chest, <laughs> like this shows he knows what his capabilities are. But he is more raw again because, you know, in in older series, like, if someone was shooting a gun at Batman, the, everyone had a Stormtrooper aim. They just wouldn't hit him. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> this one very much was like, no, they're hitting him. It's just, it's, depending yeah. on the gun, it's not doing anything. But it also shows that he knows how to build to a situation. He knows that he's going to be walking into a situation where he's at a immediate disadvantage because he's not going to use guns. Yeah. So he's building around that by basically turning himself into a walking tank. <laughs> Like, and even the, and it is funny because, like, we'd say that because everything is basically walking tank except for the mask, which is why his, the the biggest issue he has near the end there is when it is him versus a bunch of guys with guns. Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously, if he is in an open position for long enough, they could easily just headshot him. Um, yeah. Because that, that is one thing that I really enjoyed. The, the whole suit in general, but the fact that the helmet isn't, like, this heavily metal like uh, protective thing it really is just like a leather mask almost and you mm-hmm. can even see and you can kind of see it in the in the yeah. uh, poster that's on the screen right now um, mm-hmm. where you you can see the stitching and like where it's been cut up a little bit from just usage regular yeah. usage um, well, it gives it that handmade feel yeah that this is something that he designed and created himself as opposed to what we get in the Nolan trilogy where the bat suit basically is something given to him by Lucius Fox. <laughs> and so... it, it is funny too, because um, people, I, I've seen a couple of people be like now watching, going back and watching the dark Knight trilogy. They recognize something that hadn't really been bugging them, but it was slightly in the back of their heads, bugging him that mm-hmm. the mask was too tiny for the mouth. Mm-hmm. Seeing just that little, like this, this, yeah. And then finally getting the whole like bat face chin mm-hmm. thing, it it's so much better. Um, oh yeah. Well, know. it goes from it goes from turning turning Batman into looking like a fish to actually look like a human being. So. And he's able to have the full range of motion with his head and everything. Because even with that, he still had because of it being well, right down there. Um, yeah, that's what he. That's what they commented on. Is there's a joke between him and Lucius in the film where he's like it would be nice to turn my neck and Lucius comments on it. And he's like, yeah, make, make backing out of the driveway easier. 
so but uh no, i think all in all this is enjoyable if we're touching on just the plot beats mm-hmm. as they move on right um well yeah you know, so that was obviously we mentioned it starts with the the uh the first murder um mm-hmm. but we also get the introduction right after we that we get the first introduction of batman of this mm-hmm. universe's batman in his little narration over everything um and i this might be my favorite of them of that ever like the first time my favorite first time seeing batman on screen in his movie kind of thing um the build-up of him getting already within two years obviously we now know it's been two years obviously getting that build up to where the the lower thug level has this fear already in them of he could be in any shadow he is not a person he is he he's not somebody in the dark he is the dark kind of thing um and i absolutely fucking love that the entire time where we're cutting through the three different spots where it's like which one i mean we knew which one because of the trailers but still which one um but yeah go ahead sorry no that's fine i mean i think in this case if we're touching on you know the plot beats and things like that I mean, I didn't really get into it until we got into sort of the main crux of the plot where Batman starts hunting down uh, a lot of the gangsters in Gotham, mm-hmm. and specifically the Penguin. Um, when he finds out the Penguin has a secret club and so on and so forth, Catwoman gets introduced in the picture. Um, and we get this great sort of story of him putting pressure on the Penguin over time until he's able to force Penguin's hand. Um in conjunction with Jim Gordon and Catwoman tied up into that. And then we move on to just full-blown Riddler insanity at that point. Yeah. Um, And I like the way that they did the Riddler's puzzles in this one because the puzzles before for the Riddler were literally just, like, straight up, like, kitty riddles. In this one, it's much more grim, much more cryptic. They're using ciphers and shit like that, like actual code and things like that to decipher what he's talking about until they realize that they've gone down so many of the wrong tracks and that the answers to all of his questions are quite literal, like the thumb drive joke. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> so, it, it is, that was one of the scenes that I really liked was the fact that they had both, both, uh, Batman and Gordon had fallen so far into like, this has to be the answer. They must be talking about penguin. Um, where he, <laughs> Where when they finally confront him and have him talking and it, Penguin's like, Are you guys, no, what? <laughs> Can't you? This is obviously this person. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like even through the the missteps, I still enjoyed that because uh, he, you know, eventually, obviously, he gets there, um, and then all hell breaks loose. Um, mm-hmm. I so you, how did you feel about? Because I said, and you said you do, you did like the Riddler. How do you feel about him being basically a four chan, four chan uh, terrorist? I mean, I, I honestly don't have much of a problem with it, yeah. at least in in the context of this story. Um, that was a weird thing about the original sort of Batman movies we get is these villains kind of came out of nowhere. Um, they didn't necessarily have a motive beyond fuck with Batman. Yeah, <laughs> like, um, I mean, we can go back to the campus of them all. We're talking about, uh, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mister Freeze, like, 
<laughs> um, we're talking about Jim Carrey Riddler, the things like that, right? These characters didn't necessarily, I mean, Jim Carrey, as far as I remember, his character didn't necessarily have a motive or a backstory to why he was a villain other than, I just want to be smarter than Batman, which is the most base level Riddler you can get mm -hmm. from the source material. Um, in this case, it was the Riddler is trying to send what he believes is a very important message to Batman in this film. Who he um, thinks he's working with, basically. Yes. And he believes he's working with them, and he believes that they have shared goals. And we get that moment where we hearken back to the comics where a lot of villains do have shared goals with Batman, but Batman cannot approve of their methods for attaining those goals. Yeah. Um, the one thing Batman will not do is kill someone. And so when it comes down to it, if you're, if the methods for achieving your goals are basically murder people to get them out of my way, then he's just not going to be down with that. And he's going to try to stop you. <laughs> um, and I like the feeling we get in this movie because it's almost, we get that kind of, it's almost the whole world against Batman again. Right. Um, nobody's really on his side with the exception of like Gordon and a few other people, but they have to be very careful about who they reveal that to. Yeah. Um, because we get this whole B plot of a ma again, of a massively corrupt Gotham PD. We get that again. Um, which I, mean, I like. Is... I know that's something that's told so many times, but yeah. it really is. There's no way around it. Gotham, in every incarnation of Gotham, the police department has always has some kind of corruption level, um, mm -hmm. and I mean, I like that it's it kind of ends with the the police being a little bit more. It's like, hey, yes, there is corruption, but then they all kind of the the good ones. I hate to say it. Mm -hmm. um, come out to, in the end um, again it doesn't mean that they're all good doesn't mean that all those people that did come out are good but they're willing to do what's right when I guess they're yeah. not worried fear in fear anymore yeah I mean when when their lives stop being on the line and things like that I, I think they gave them a kind of pass in this movie because mm -hmm. it's very much told as like the gangsters of Gotham are controlling the police you know, and covering up a lot of stories, we get a huge plot about the main gangster in Gotham basically being hired by Bruce's father, and then this guy killing someone, and Bruce's father wanting to go public with that information, which led to his death as well. Yeah. Um. So, you know, you get this very intricate sort of backstory now to the parent murder, rather than just a random guy in an alley shot Bruce's parents. Yeah. Um. Not just Joe and Cool so, or Joe Chill or whatever the fuck his name was. Yeah. Well, it was Joe Chill, and then it was supposed to be, at least in one of the storylines, this happens when Batman sits on that fucking throne of knowledge thing, finds <laughs> out that the Joker himself killed his parents. Um, so it's it's a lot of craziness. But at the end of the day, I, I enjoyed it because it ties the entire plot of the movie back to the main character. It isn't just a bunch of things that have happened to Batman that created who he is, people have been engaged in his life that he didn't even know about. <laughs> a little bit too, too rambunctious. Yeah. And so, now, at the end of the day, I would say if, if, you, if you can get over some of the hurdles that are the beginning of this movie, and I think for me it's going to be a second watch to do that, Mm -hmm. 
but if you can get past that part of it, and I know we haven't covered every little plot and everything like that, I can't remember a lot of it, to be fair. I also <laughs> don't, I kind of just don't want to, one, because that would take no. way too much, god damn it, Coop, way too much time. It would take a lot of time. Um, and two, really, I just want to talk about what we like. We can talk about yeah. what we didn't like, and you kind of did touch on that. You feel like mm-hmm. the the pacing was off. Um, yeah. Well, like I said, I think it. I think it'll be a second watch for me, but I think this is a Batman film that people need to not sleep on and yeah. just go out and see because if you like anything about Batman as a character in sort of his overall ethos, this movie portrays it very well. And yeah. if you're in a sequel baiting, the movie has that too. So, <laughs> so we'll talk about that in a second. But um, what I wanted to mention about that... Batman by the end. Batman throughout the entire movie, as you put in our podcast notes, uh, is vengeance. Um, mm-hmm. That's what he is standing for. That is his goal, is vengeance. Um, by the end of the movie, that is turned against him. That is turned against him mm-hmm. by a combination of Riddler and his 4chan friends. Um mm-hmm who literally respond with, I am vengeance, or I think, I can't even remember the exact mm-hmm. line. Um, he just says, I'm vengeance at yeah. a certain point. Um, and it's one of those things where Batman has, through the combination of that, and then, not the turn, but what he does in saving the people, in saving the people of Gotham. Um, mm-hmm. He kind of has this turn towards hope, to a certain extent. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, yes, hope is hope is Superman's thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Does that mean that Kal-El's going to fly by and be like, bitch, no, no, me, that's me. That's what this <laughs> S stands for. S, hope, uh, whatever, <laughs> alphabet. <laughs> um, it's a silent S, Shope. Um, <laughs> that's, what's my name? Shoperman. Shoperman. Uh, <laughs> um... But no, uh, you, we obviously see he now realizes he has it's more than just the vengeance. He has to do something mm-hmm. else to get that end goal of the safe, the to protect his city kind of thing. Um, yeah. And I'm excited to see what they do with that. We already know of two spinoffs. Um, mm-hmm. We're getting a specific Penguin spinoff. And what originally was, uh, I can't remember what it had originally titled, um, but there was originally another spinoff that has finally been revealed to be an actual Arkham series, uh, more horror, horror oriented to a certain extent, but Arkham Asylum series, um, uh, both coming mm-hmm. to HBO max, uh, as well as I believe they've announced two more movies. Um, mm-hmm. and I really hope two things. One, I hope we get those two movies and they're still done by, uh, Matt Reeves, because I think he did a fantastic fucking job with this one. Um, but two, I also hope that they get a second trilogy. Um, yeah. Sure, this is all basing off of one fucking movie, but I look at it as if we can get a consistent story for this Batman for three movies, and then be able to tell that story beyond just Batman, I would mm. be so fucking excited. Um, yeah. Boy, I'm gonna kick your ass. Um... Yeah, I would love to, and I, I think I tweeted about this before or right after the movie, I would love to see, we get this Bruce, we get this Bruce and Batman working up and expanding his own, him, himself, working on himself in his rogues gallery in the first three movies, and then after we get, we get at least one Robin. Um, mm-hmm. 
I, I want a good I want a good on screen representation of Robin. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I think we could get at least one good dick. Um, <laughs> um cuz I mean he yeah, sure. You could go out of order. You can do whatever you want. It's it's his own story. It's their own universe. Um, but I think that there is a way to get a good Grayson story mixed in with Batman. Um, in based on how long it takes for fucking DC to put out sequels, he would at least be old enough that it would make sense for him for him to have a kid. Um, and I know a lot of people already would love and want, and even fucking Robert Pattinson himself has talked about how much he would love if the sequel adapted in any way Court of Owls. Um, yeah. I, I don't think, I, I don't know a single person that doesn't enjoy the Court of Owls series. Um, even people that hate New 52 fucking love Court of Owls. Um, well, Court of Owls is just a great story in and of itself. Yeah. And it's a very dark story with villains who fit into the current universe. Yeah, yeah. And that is that is definitely part of what I think people are, are looking at. Um, well, we're already at the point where we know that this Gotham that we're being portrayed has very deep, deep-rooted corruption throughout pretty much all of its layers at this point. So by adding Court of Owls, you're just adding another layer to that corruption on top of it. Yeah. And so... I think the the major transition here between Vengeance and Hope is also Vengeance and Justice in this case, where the main sort of goal of a Batman now is to root this corruption out, to at least expose it to the light so people are aware of it. Yeah. And then they can decide what they want to do about it. Um, the unfortunate thing for him is to do that he's got to beat a lot of people up and he's got to get beat up a lot so yeah <laughs> um so yeah we have no idea where it's going where with the sequels or anything like that um and the reason why i'm saying that is because you had mentioned something that you felt like was setting up part of the future um mm -hmm. there is let me double check that kim is not able to hear me kim can you hear me no okay perfect i told her to put headphones in um earlier um there is a cameo uh can almost completely covered up you don't really see any face or anything um mm -hmm. that is very very obviously this batman's joker um yep. and the more interesting thing is one he actually is from a uh the actor that played him um i can't remember his name right now uh he, he played and yeah, Eternals. in Eternals. He is already a part of the MCU, which, uh, you know, works great because there seems to be a weird crossover between Marvel and DC actors. Um, but he had another scene that was shot and was cut. There mm -hmm. is an interaction of Batman going mm -hmm. to speak to Joker earlier in the movie. Um, and what's interesting about that, because it was basically Bat trying bats trying to get into the mind of the riddler through somebody that is on the same in his opinion level of sanity um mm -hmm. but in that clip you get or in that yeah in that deleted scene uh there was supposed to be joker mentioning something about them coming it, it their one year anniversary coming up and mm -hmm. that to me i'm i'm glad it wasn't in there because i like the idea of batman being able to do this on his own for the most part um, obviously he has Alfred and he has Gordon, 
in uh, Selena. Um, but like not having to rely on an enemy to help. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But that connection and to know that that was the plan in the plan to ha- to have him already being in that world in that he's already dealt with him um, mm-hmm. and obviously thrown him in Arkham. Uh, I love that idea. That is that is one of those like it's a it's a world building thing that I'm okay with because mm-hmm. it yes at this point it's happened everything has happened off screen, um, but I feel like because who is the villain in in year one? Mm-hmm. I don't even remember who the villain from Batman Year One is. I want to look it up. Batman Year One. Not Earth One, Year One. Uh, it ends up with Joker. That's all I know. Um, just from really quickly. It's been forever since I read that fucking thing. Or watched the yeah. animated. Um and I want to kind of want to go back, um, but it does bring up Harvey Dent, and it does bring up the, Fa- the Carmine mm-hmm. Falcone, uh, in, in, including Selena. Uh, huh. It really does because people had already talked about the fact that this pulls a lot from Year One. Uh, it does mm-hmm. its own story, but it obviously is very much like, "Hey, this is here, this is here." Um, mm-hmm. But I, I like I like it not being. I like it being I, I like it not being on screen. I like Joker not fully being on screen. I like the idea of him having experience with him already. Um Yeah. Well, it's just showing us that uh I mean it's showing us at the end of the day that, you know, this Batman, even though like I've said before, he is inexperienced, he's an established part of this Gotham City. Yeah. It's not like people don't know who he is at this point. Um he just has a much, much longer way to go now than what we've seen before. Um, he is... I, I do agree with you that having the Joker off screen in this case is a great idea because I feel like no matter what happens with a Joker in a silver screen Batman film, people are always going to compare that portrayal to Heath Ledger at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. The thing that people have to do, though, is take the portrayals that exist in their proper context. Now, we all know who the worst portrayal of the Joker is, and that's because the whole context of that movie was fucked up. It was just supposed to be an edgelord film. Um, Such a bad movie and take. Yes. So that's what they want to do is have an edgy Joker in that. Um... Whereas Heath, Heath Ledger's Joker was supposed to be terrifying. Like, he was supposed to be basically a horror villain. <laughs> yeah. um, and he was less of a person and a villain as a character than he was a force acting against Batman the entire time. Um, I don't know what their plans are with the new Joker, but I enjoy the scene that we got because it shows one of Batman's major flaws as a crime fighter he puts all his villains in the same place where they can talk to each other all the fucking yep. time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that was... I, I thought that was great, because those two have a history together throughout the comics anyway. Um, 
So yeah, I, I'm very excited to see where this goes. I like I said, starting off, love this, 100%. This is this is a five, by the way. We're going into the, the out of my right ranking, my personal rating system. I would give this a, an incredible. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know how you feel, uh, but yeah, you know. I don't I mean like on. I don't know. You don't have a ranking system. Do you want to adapt mine? Do you want to adapt mine? I, I will adopt yours for the purpose of this podcast, and I will say <laughs> it's it's a four for me right now, and maybe a five on a second watch. Okay. Um. Yeah. I think I need to go back into it with a fresh mind again, but like I said, I mean it's it's an all around enjoyable movie. If you're a fan of Batman, you're definitely gonna want to catch this one. Um, the movie has not been hyped up like some other superhero titles that are coming out have been but i don't think people need to let people need to not sleep on the movie just because of that like just just go go see it and at the very at the very least if you don't like it you're coming out with a new experience and a new batman at the end of the day so and a batman that hopefully we have for a little bit i know yes. initially when this was announced it was made to seem like this was a one-off but I, yeah. i'm really hoping well, I mean, obviously it's not. They they have changed their mind. <laughs> um, I will say, before we let it completely go and conclude it, there is another little special part of sequel baiting, not at the very end of the film, but towards um, the end of the film, that unless you're keen into the lore of Batman, you're really not going to catch. And basically this is a scene where Batman's had the shit beat out of him. He's on death's door at this point these Riddler goons are basically ready to just end him right then and there. And he pulls out something from his belt and injects it into his leg. And I remember talking to some people about this after we saw the movie and they're like, well, I wonder what it could be. And it could be this or that, the other. And I like, you think it's venom. I think it's venom. And the reason I think it's venom is not just because, okay, it's a thing he pulled out of his belt and injected he kind of goes Hulk mode. Green. Yeah. He goes full. I mean, he is, completely lost in the sauce at that point he it's, is beating yeah, it's, this riddler goon like to death to the point that someone has to tell him to stop <laughs> yeah i didn't even think about that because in my head i'm like it's just some kind of adrenaline shot but the fact that i i'm just thinking of it being an adrenaline shot i'm not thinking about the fact that this is batman this is a batman universe this is a batman universe that could very easily decide that hey we're gonna go with the weirder shit we could get mm -hmm. the weirder in more super villainy kind of villains. And if we could no. get a good, cause I'm sorry, I love, I love, no wait, actually more I've seen him in things. I don't love, uh, Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy. He's actually a really bad actor. Um, <laughs> like the more I see him in things, I'm like, wait, no, who, how did we get lied to? Who lied to us and made us think he was a good actor? The um, best movie he was in was Mad Max because he just didn't, didn't talk. talk. <laughs> and I hate that movie. Uh, <laughs> That's a personal feeling. I know a lot of people love the movie. I don't care. Um, it's called opinions. We're allowed to have them. Uh, but no, yeah, I um, I would love to see a well done again, ignoring any animated version, uh, a well done Bane, because um, he could be so good. Bane is such a good character when he's done right, because he's not some dumb roided out freak. He is mm -hmm. actually very intelligent. And also yeah. strong as fuck when he's injecting himself with a very highly toxic uh, chemical. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's toxic, but it does enhance his strength. And so what I don't want to see is the campy depiction of Bane we got in the older Batman films where he's a skinny little fucking goon who just happens to hawk out when he's fed venom. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
I want to see, and that that's a credit to Tom Hardy's portrayal of Venom in the Nolan trilogy, is that he was an intelligent character. Mm-hmm. Um, he just happened to be a, a bad actor. Plan. <laughs> well, he happened to be a bad actor, but also a pawn in somebody else's plan the entire film. Um, I think in this case, we have a chance to get a new Bane who's doing his own thing. Yeah. Um, and I feel like Bane is a better character when he's independent. So, so on on the list of things people are are hoping for a sequel, I haven't actually seen that at all, which is cool. I didn't even think about that. Um, but I've been seeing people talk about Hush, uh, mm-hmm. solely because there's literally a scene at one point where there's just the word writ- Hush written in all caps, and I think like either an exclamation point or a question mark. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. people are really hoping for a. Um, Court of Owls. Uh, yeah. I personally, while, like I said, I I just want another one-on-one villain. I don't want us to... Sure, we have Catwoman in this. Mm-hmm. She's not, like, an antagonist. Um, yeah. She's, there's, that ter- there's a term for that. There's I can't remember what it's called. Um, Deuterogonist? Really attractive woman. Um, no, um... <laughs> I can't remember what it is. Uh, that's going to bug me. I'll get it later. I'll remember like five hours from now and I'll text you and be like, it's this. Um, but no, I uh, I would love to see just, it doesn't have to be like a, two, a two-faced story because obviously we don't have a buildup. I would, while I enjoy, and I hate to say like looking back on Dark Knight trilogy, mm-hmm. it's a good movie, but... Two-Face would have been better, in my opinion, if it was a build-up to that Two-Face. Not a, here's a character that we're introduced to, oh, and now he's Two-Face for the second half, third, the last third, I can't remember exactly. Mostly the third act of that film. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then is killed. Um, Which, again, is another problem that these fucking movies have. Even Marvel, I love the MCU movies, but they kill Mm -hmm. off their villains. Well, they kill off really compelling villains, too. Exactly. Fucking Michael B. Jordan is one of the best. I'm so glad that Spider-Man didn't kill off Falcon, because or Vulc- Vulture, because Vulture is a great portrayal. Again, it's because yes. it's my my second favorite Batman. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would love to see if we got an introduction of Harvey Dent, and we got to see them connect and become friends or connected mm-hmm. in some way. And you know what? Fuck having him be becoming Two Face be part of the main plot. What if that's an after credit scene? What if that yeah. is just there is the the um, uh, pulling more from from uh, Long Halloween directly? Um, what if there was the court scene in that is when the acid is thrown? Um, yeah, well, it can be the acid. It can even be kind of a recreation of the thing they did in the Nolan trilogy, but make it so that way Batman doesn't save. Harvey in this case, that they become friends over the course of a movie, and because Harvey's in this position of power as a DA, of course bad people are going to want to do stuff to him and get him out of the picture, Mm -hmm. and have it set up where Harvey has so much faith that Batman is coming to rescue him, and Batman just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So so that gives him his revenge motive right there. (laughs) See, and that's the thing, I feel like... Oh, I don't want to get into that. Now I'm just thinking about... I love The Long Halloween. When they have that... <laughs> I, I was trying to wrap this shit up because I'm like, we're, not, we're going to be two hours. We're going to we're gonna under, be under two hours. Let's do it. Um, but I, the moment that the Halloween card was opened, I immediately mm-hmm. was like, 
I know you're fucking with me, but and I know that this is not going to be your twist on the long Halloween, but thank you anyway. Because <laughs> yeah. that, for me, that was like a, if I was in any way asleep, I would have been wide awake at that moment. Because um, that, in my, me personally, the long Halloween is my favorite Batman story. Um, if you have not read it, I highly recommend it. I you, Again, this one you can go ahead and buy. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think there's been anything bad about Jeff Loeb. Um, but yeah, uh, highly recommend. Both, mm-hmm. obviously, Long Halloween, but also the Batman. 100% recommend. If you don't feel comfortable in going into a theater, still, I completely understand. April 19th, it is available for streaming on HBO Max. Um, that's not too far off. It's a month away. Um, and obviously, if you've already listened this far, I'm sorry, you've already gotten spoiled. <laughs> that was on you. It <laughs> says it right there. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I think I'm wrapped up on this. What about you? Any any final yeah. thoughts on the Batman? No, I think that's about a wrap. Um, like I said, I think we're in agreement here. Pretty much anyone who's a fan of the Batman needs to go see this movie. Um, it is it is a very faithful retelling of a lot of major stories from Batman canon, and it all gels together really well with their own twists included. Yeah. Mm. Um, also, I'm so glad. Uh, just bringing it back to um uh the casting um i fucking love jeffrey wright uh Mm -hmm. he was up until a certain point probably my favorite character on um westworld and to see him be able to be get to see his james gordon i'm all in i'm all in i'm hoping we get him as actual commissioner gordon since you know there's Mm -hmm. a spot open um uh but yeah, I am very excited to see the future of this, of the Matt Reeves universe. He was one of the most wholesome characters in Hunger Games. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. I stopped watching yeah. those movies. Yeah, it is, uh, yeah. No, casting in this movie was, was knockout. Casting for Selena Kyle was too fucking good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know a single person, and that's because I keep good good company, uh, that does not love her. Um... <laughs> He's been a lot lately. I'm just like going through his movies and stuff. I forgot yeah. that he was he was um he had been in uh the most recent James Bonds as in like the mm-hmm. Daniel Craig Bonds. Um yeah, cool. Wrap up on that. No more spoilers. See, look, spoiler safe. We're good. <laughs> I put it away. I know I can't say that or show that in a in a in audio setting, but you know, whatever. Oh, you know what? I'm looking at Oh no, never mind. I am looking at the right recording length. We can do it. We can get in and get out with under two hours. So, need any final thoughts, any final news, anything you want to bring up? Nope. I think we're ready to wrap. That's fantastic. I'm just going to do a quick, quick overview real quick. Um, oh, there's one really, really upsetting news that just came out. Um, obviously, this is more of a joke of it being upsetting. Earlier, we did talk about actual upsetting news. Um, Tom Brady is returning to NFL. <laughs> <laughs> he retired for about a month um, and said, fuck it, I'm coming back. So, you know. Uh, He's a football robot, I swear. Fucking blech, I'm done. I don't care about football, but I just want him to retire. <laughs> okay. Well, as always, if you like what you do, if, what, what you do, what we do, uh, <laughs> what you hear, what you see, um, you can follow us on all the social media. Just search Space Time Talco. 
Nope. Spacetime Taco. Spacetime Taco. Taco. I'm pointing. So I don't know if you've seen any of the videos, but when I point, there's now a little animation thing that goes up being like, boom, Spacetime Taco. And when I point down like this and I say my name, if you want to find me, Time Lord Burrito. If you can see, Nate, there aren't names underneath our names and faces anymore. Uh, I see that. Nate can't point, but it's over there. You'll see it. It'll go, oh, <laughs> animation. Um, he's a little teapot. I just realized I didn't say it out loud. I just said animation. <laughs> <laughs> you can catch us here every other Saturday, usually on time. Um, and moving forward, randomly through on, throughout Twitch, during the week monday through friday we don't know what days monday through friday but usually we try and do usually i think you're tuesday you try and do tuesday thursday right yes yeah i'm gonna try and hop on i might do some streaming tomorrow um early uh, i don't know yet um might do wednesday i have some games i may or may not have gotten some randomized randomizer games that i want to check out um because really all i'm doing is pushing playing through on master mode on breath of the wild because i'm like mm -hmm. i not only have i not played breath of the wild in years uh but i'm also not good at the game to begin with like actually you know i'm okay i beat it but i'm not like an incredible gamer or whatever um mm -hmm. but yeah go inside and play video games whatever nate says yeah whatever i say catchphrase oh you know what i'm lying i'm lying we're not done yet real quick this is i'm not really like there's going to be new merch. I will post a picture of new merch coming to the site. Um, one of them is a crossover brand that may or may not come to our site. Otherwise, it might be on their site, uh, who are normal sponsors of the series, of the, the whole site, uh, Rusty Bison. Um, but that'll be up in a link below or something. And yeah, new merch. I'm working on new merch, Nate. You want new, new merch? merch? New merch. Yeah, you want merch. All right. See, there you go. All right. We love you. Go inside and play the game.